Welcome back to another edition of the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast presented by Dream Cricket. I'm your host, Peter Dalapena, and today we have part two, the interview with Emerging Cricket USA correspondent Nate Hayes. Pick up where we left off in the previous discussion, talking about all things cricket and non-cricket, as well as Nate's journey into becoming a valued contributor within the Emerging Cricket family. Not just as a writer, but as a graphic designer and a podcast host and a YouTube host. And we go into those things and more in part two with Nate. But before we get to that, I want to remind everybody that the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast, presented by Dream Cricket, is also sponsored by Moosa Cricket Stadium, the first and original turf wicket facility in the state of Texas. For more information, call 713-534-2195. That's Moosa Cricket Stadium in Pearland, Texas. And one other reminder, again, the interview with Nate had user malfunction on the Zoom portion of the call, so you don't see me at all in the video for the duration of the podcast interview if you're watching on YouTube. If you are listening on any of the other podcast platforms, then your experience should not be affected in any way. We talked about a lot of things yesterday, your experiences in Morrisville and trying to transition into cricket, discovering cricket. And we spent a lot of time talking about what it's like being an American, trying to get involved in the cricket scene and all the things that entails. One of the questions I didn't ask you, which I always love asking people in our situation, what was your wife, your kids, and your other family members, your mom, anybody else, what was their reaction when you started to get involved in cricket and you started to have conversations about what you were doing in your free time? This is maybe the this is probably the toughest thing about transitioning to cricket from other sports like because i've like i said i I love playing ice hockey and one of the great things about hockey is the men's league games happen you know sometimes at a rink you can get it so that you play if, if the rink has multiple sheets of ice like the one up in wake forest here you can join a league where you only play on wednesday nights and it'll be after 9 p.m sometimes the game start at 11 30 p.m but that works for me and then everybody's asleep in your house. You know, your kids are put to bed and you just run, run up the street and you play hockey and you don't miss anything. That's what um, I love about hockey cricket. There's no way to do anything like that. You can't sneak around and squeeze it in. I mean, you just can't squeeze cricket in. It has, you're going to practice with people. It's in the outside in the sunlight. And if it's indoors, the place usually closes by nine. Yeah. So it's, it's funny. Uh, that was the toughest thing was when I tell, when I was talking to my wife early on about, you know, you don't want to come out and say, I'm going to play a 40 overs, you know, Hey, I'm playing. Well, yeah, you do say that you come right out boldly playing 40 overs game this weekend, Saturday. Okay. And then you play the 40 overs game and you come, you look at your phone and there's a lot of missed calls and you really, and you should always explain what that means. But I mean, people find out right away, (laughs) you know, you're gone all day long, especially because a lot of our grounds, like I said, are an hour from my house. So you're talking about an hour drive to play 40 overs aside nobody's in a hurry um when it's a 40 overs when it when it's a t20 game there's a little bit more pressure to get the game done because there's a game after yours but if it's a one one you know 40 overs day game there's nobody playing after you i mean they try to be strict strict about the, the game times but they're gonna last a long time anyways so yeah that's that's a big challenge is, is how long it takes to play cricket it's and then you go out there and you get out for a first ball duck or you give up 17 runs and you're first over and you don't get a second over and it's just it's just the worst you know especially yeah yeah that that can be the worst so I'm not a big fan of playing that format because also it's very hot here in the summer it is wicked hot here in the you know very humid 
So it's, you stand out in the sun. Sometimes there's not a lot of shade to sit. It's, it's brutal. That is the toughest thing about the sport is how long of a commitment it is to me. But just, for, but just from a, a very basic standpoint, so going back to 2015, you start mm-hmm. watching this sequence with Waha Briyaz, Shane Watson. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, you know, your wife sees this or, you know, is kind of looking over your shoulder, what, what the hell are you doing? What are you watching? Uh, you know, that kind of stuff. As you're getting into the game, what was their reaction to your newfound interest in a very foreign It sport? was, uh, I mean, in the nicest way to, to say it, it, it was just complete apathy, really. It was <laughs> like no nobody cared it really nobody cared because it was just you know we have so many great sports in this country it's tough to i get excited about something i want to talk to people about it but there's enough i you know it's um it's tough to break even with your own family it's tough to you know you they sometimes people are very curious when you tell them what how the games go you know when you explain to them like what's great about cricket that's the cool part is you don't get bogged down in the rules but you say here are the exciting things that happen People like that, but but yeah, my wife wasn't. She didn't really care that much. Is but she she actually she she kind of did. She was like, why don't you just play more hockey? <laughs> 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 just play another night of hockey, and you know you don't have to take on this whole new thing. And it was tricky because when I first started, I play I practiced with the guys for a couple of months, and uh, and then it was my daughter was born. My second daughter was born, and then it was this long period of time where it's like, you know, I just couldn't be available to practice or to play because I, you know, for, for several months. So it was like that, that rest of that summer was kind of, cause she was born in early June. So the rest of that summer was kind of shot. I didn't play hockey or, or cricket for several months. And then the next year I got back into it and uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's such a time commitment. That's the biggest, tough, toughest thing. And really my wife doesn't really care about cricket. She doesn't really care about, she's not a big sports person. And that's totally fine because we both have our own interests and we both have interests that intersect each other, you know, that overlap. So, um, but mine, my, the cricket is on the Nate only side of the Venn diagram. So I try to get the kid, my kids into it a little bit. They like watching the girls women's cricket and um, my oldest likes to play. She likes the challenge of playing with, with me. So she likes to try to get me out. She loves to bowl to me and uh, try to get me out. One of the other people you brought up, briefly in our first chat was somebody who's been heavily influential in cricket in North Carolina in general. And I know you've had quite a lot of interactions with him, Alvin Kelletron, who for people who don't know, he's been a longtime resident in the Raleigh area in North Carolina and was somebody who was really a strong ambassador for cricket and helping to get people involved and get their attention at the ICC and just other aspects of that to showcase the fact that hey this legend of the game has faith and belief and is actively involved in cricket in the community so why shouldn't you what are some of your favorite interactions with Alvin and what has he meant to you personally oh Alvin's Alvin is is fantastic first of all he's he knows so much you know the old saying he's forgotten more about cricket than I'll ever know he has so much practical knowledge it's fun to talk to him about about cricket his experiences that's so much fun just sitting listening to his stories he's a funny guy he's a he's a happy guy and um but yeah he's he's played a big part in me taking to the sport because you know when you when right from the start when I when I started learning about it I found out about who Alvin was and I he was always around coaching kids and um you know he pays attention 
it would be funny because we would be practicing and he would be doing stuff with the kids and then he would see something I was doing it you know out of the corner of his eye he'd take a glance over probably at the worst possible time probably seeing me make a complete idiot of myself and he remark on it like you know later on <laughs> he'll say something like what were you doing there or something like that but uh but yeah he's he's um very cool he's got a lot of passion for the kids he's done a whole lot for the area here for the country and uh you know he's irreplaceable there's no doubt about it and i i know you talked to mark about him uh you talked to gitik about him yeah he, he's fun i've taken a few a couple of lessons from him i've helped him out in some of his clinics um just giving throwdowns to kids and things like that and fielding with the kids and things he has everyone's respect here deservingly so it's it's really cool to have him right around the corner it's funny because when i meet people that like cricket if i meet people of a certain age that like cricket i always mention hey do you know who alec Alcharn is and they're like yeah and i'm like hey he's a friend of mine and they're like wow <laughs> so it's a nice icebreaker when you're talking to meeting new people that are into cricket it's 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 pretty it's pretty it's just kind of funny that that, that he's here and he, he's so easy to talk to and easy going yeah it's really cool having having access to him now he was influential in helping to get a lot of the stuff moving with regards to church street park opened up in 2015 and that's one of the reasons why you said you got into cricket in the first place. yeah i want to ask you specifically about the impact of that facility and the growth of cricket since then obviously the groundswell of support in the triangle research park area was significant just to get that ground built in the first place yeah the growth of cricket but just looking at, for example, the USA Cricket membership rules that were recently released, there are more than 1,100 registered members in the Triangle Cricket League that are right. identified as eligible voters in a hope the election, or depending on which side of the fence you're on, you don't want the election to happen if you think it's <laughs> going to be illegitimate. 1,100 people out of, or 1,100 plus people out of around 12,700. So, it's just short of 10% of the entire registered playing base, official registered playing base. Obviously, you look at some data, yeah. there's, there's definitely a lot of leagues who have not signed up and a lot of teams and clubs who have not signed up. There's, by some right. data estimates, 20,000, 40,000, 100,000, 200,000. But going by the official data, the fact that there are just short of 10% of the entire registered membership base in USA Cricket is out of the Triangle Cricket League. That is huge. Right. And that again, is an indication yeah. of the impact that Church Street Park has had. So just in your time, it coincided with the opening of, of Church Street Park, your involvement in cricket in the community in Marsville. Right. What, in your eyes, has been the impact of Church Street Park in helping to mushroom that growth even further? I think it's been really big, especially for, um, I mean, in, in multiple ways, uh, in terms of growing the league, growing support for the league, helping the league uh, get sponsors, the quality of the play of the youth, you know, all of these things are, are really big. And you can chalk a lot of that up to Church Street Park. And, and the league has grown tremendously since I started playing in 2015. It's grown. It's crazy how much it's grown. It grows every year. It grows too fast, in, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, it's like yeah, there's no stopping it. It's just going to keep growing fast. And if we can find more grounds, we could even add more teams. It's, it's just um, it's it's crazy how fast it's grown. And I think Church Street has played a big part in that. The 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 fact that we have so many voters that goes to the executive committee right now and the prior executive committee and uh, guys like uh, 
Babur, Sabu, Raj, they, they really did make sure that we got plenty of voters. You know, I have 14 on my own team. They, they wanted to make sure that, that, that we got a lot of members and they worked very hard to do that. They put a lot of time in. So they, get a, they should get a lot of credit for that. But yeah, Church Street Park had a lot to do with all of these things happening with um, the league growing to the point that it has with people's caring about being a member. I think Church Street has a lot to do with that because you have a nice ground like this and you know, you've been there under the lights. It's, it's amazing. And it's just a great place to come watch a game. People want to see the ball fly there. They want to see, they want to see good cricket and they get a chance to do that at that park. So it's made a massive impact in my, in my opinion, it's made a big impact. People want to play there. That's the one thing about increasing. Obviously we want to see, um, there are people in the league that care much more about their own cricket than, youth cricket or or american cricket there's plenty of people i don't think that's unique to triangle cricket league nate it's it's not it's not and it's not you it's not unique to adult sports in general but but um but there are people who that's one thing is that's the downside is the political ramifications uh locally i would love to see a larry david curb your enthusiasm sketch with a, a cricket team a local cricket team uh and the usa comes to town it doesn't have to be marshall but usa comes to town and they get booted off the fields by the local cricket team <laughs> and you yeah. know something like that you've seen on curb your enthusiasm the the, <laughs> the slow pitch softball sketches and um right you know, yeah things like that the comedy that Golf goes out of the, the softball league that larry's in uh and i, I just think ah if they swapped out the slow pitch softball and they turned it into <laughs> club standard cricket this would be a great episode <laughs> and the offing for Kirby Enthusiasm, because and we, I think we've talked about this too. One of the other things that happens in U.S. cricket that is almost straight out of Kirby Your Enthusiasm is the last season's story arc or two seasons ago, whatever it was, you know, the Spike Shop. How many cricket leagues have been started that are essentially spite cricket spite leagues? leagues? Because <laughs> somebody lost an shop, election. Yeah. And they said, screw right. this, I'm going to start up my own league just to spite so-and-so and try and steal votes and get more support and become more powerful and, politically. And instead of it being about the beans, like in those episodes, remember, it's all about the beans. Remember that? It's all about the new ground that I'm promising. Like that's that's more like, the you know, like when there's ever a rival that sh- start, shows up in an area, they're always like, we've got these great plans for a new ground, you know, an hour away or something like that. There's always how it, how it ends, how it happens. It seems. But is, is one of these new grounds that's promised, does it have one of those uh, magic urinals that Larry put in his uh, spite coffee shop that <laughs> led to mayhem? <laughs> Not unlike that show. It is difficult to use the bathroom sometimes at some of these grounds. <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah. I think, I think it's, it's difficult because you do have a lot of people who don't want, they know that if the more USA cricket, the more minor league cricket that plays there, the less adult cricket there's going to be. But having said yeah. that, you know, you say less adult cricket, mm-hmm. but it has spurred tremendous growth from my vantage point anyway, as an outsider, youth cricket, because you take a scene like happened in 2018 with the T20 World Cup qualifier. And prior to that, who was basing themselves out of North Carolina or who was coming out of North Carolina just organically? Mm-hmm. And then three, four years later, you've got Rohan Fadki and Abiram Bolasetti coming right. out of North Carolina, making the USA under-19 team. Jessica Armando yeah. moves to North Carolina. Other guys right. have floated, toyed with the idea of moving to North Carolina, specifically mm-hmm. for that facility, Geetika Kadali. Again, right. born and raised on the West Coast, but she comes right. to Church Street Park for a youth tournament as a teenager, and her parents say, 
despite all the great academies there are in Northern California, they don't have anything that compares to Church Street Park. We're pulling up right. our, our family and moving to the East Coast specifically so yeah. we can be have access to this facility. So the impact that it's had on junior cricket in that way and the mushroom effect that that's had on cricket as a whole, I find incredible. And I'm and, curious, yeah. what have you witnessed firsthand beyond some of those things? And again, Bumika Badraju, playing for the USA yeah. Women's Under-19 team and some of the Adi other Gupta. players. Yeah, it's um. There were several guys who made the the twenty six man U uh, nineteen selection camp. He, of course, obviously Adi Gupta hurt himself, so we could add. You know, well, actually, he eventually did make the U nineteen roster at in the national men's national championship. But um, yeah, we have so many good players here, so many up and coming players. And the thing is, like you said, Yitika moved here. It wasn't. A, it, it's it's not a surprise anymore to have somebody want to move here for cricket. Um, it's it's kind of normal like if you talk to minor league cricket players everyone wants to come here you know everybody wants to you talk to people all around the country and and they're they want to come and play here and and it's a combination of several things for the youth it's definitely the ground Alan Kalacharan is here because you'll as you as Yutika told you her family felt um, comfortable moving here because of the ground and because they knew that, that there was a good coach here for her and the community supports her they uh they support the youth cricket here pretty well I, people know who the youth cricketers are when you go to a morrisville cardinals game if so if the youth players if the young u19 guys aren't getting the chances that the community thinks they should get you hear about it if none of them batted in the top six or something you hear about it if if avram bolasetti bowls one over instead of three or four you, you know you hear about it people talk about it and that's uh that's a great thing um so community supports the, the the young guys and um there's so many the u15 age group right now is phenomenal there's so many good youth in the area that grew up all along playing here and then when you throw in the people who want to come here into the mix it's like i i see in the future like at first when we got the minor league team i remember having a discussion with with somebody about maybe a second one in the area or something like this it was just specul it wasn't it wasn't even speculation it was just a regular conversation like we're having now and somebody was, oh, we could even maybe have a second team. And I was like, yeah, there's not really the talent here to support two minor league teams. And there isn't maybe right now, but everyone wants to move here. <laughs> so if you just let people move here who want to, then yeah, we could do two. We could have two minor league cricket teams. And then you increase the the class of players, uh, the class of, of uh, play in the area, all that stuff. Like that, all that stuff could happen here because people want to come here. They want to or just come here on their own. You know, they just want to be in this area. It's there's so many good things that tied into that. So many advantages of this area. It's hard to find a disadvantage, honestly, because it's cheaper than the other big hubs of cricket in the country. It's cheaper than San Francisco. It's getting more expensive, but it's cheaper than San Francisco by a lot. It's cheaper than New York. So, uh, yeah, because of that park, that park is like the big foundational. That's the big reason people want to be here is the park and the community. And then obviously throw Alvin in the mix. And it's why wouldn't you want to be here? Well, whether you list it as 1A or 1B or 1C, you touched on it there, reference to the community, the community support, the volunteer support, second to none in the country. Mm-hmm. Events that are held yeah. in Florida, events that are held in Texas, California, the people try and they have this vision that we talked about yesterday where they hope you build something and people will come out. It, it doesn't happen. It's not, you can't just wave a magic wand. And yet in Morrisville... Yeah from day one when they've had tournaments there it's been consistent it's never waned and in many ways it's gotten stronger and i'm just curious 
for you, who's been actively involved in a lot of the things that go unpaid uh, <laughs> as a volunteer, is this unique to cricket in Morrisville, or is this something that is part of the spirit and the fabric of the community, regardless of cricket or any other sport? Well, I think there's a lot of, because uh, my kids play in a local Catholic uh, soccer league that the, that the Catholic church near us set up because they just wanted to have a recreational thing. Because there's a big, huge, we have the largest youth soccer organization in the country in Wake County. And it's, it's massive, but it's very competitive too. It's like, you know, for a frame of reference, so they want, so how, many, how many people were we talking about registered junior players or players in general, hundreds into the thousands? Yeah, it's thousands for that, for the, for the largest group, the largest youth organization in the country. There's thousands, but, the, but for the local one that we do, the one at the church, which they did just for recreational purposes, just so the kids could have something fun to do. It's, you know, it's 60 bucks a season for the kids and it's, you get a shirt and it's volunteer run and that that works, that thing, that whole league that runs smoothly, that's hundreds of kids. So, you know, the other one's like tens of thousands, but um, that's more expensive. It's more competitive, you know, all those things. Yeah. So there are little options for people to do things in the area. I've seen a lot of volunteers in, the, in this area. I think I think there is a lot more than in most parts of the, uh, the country, I would guess. The, the Triangle Cricket League volunteer community is is really impressive uh, against anybody. I would put them against any league, any any, any sport. You know, they're really impressive and they want a good tournament for whoever shows up for, you know, if you show bring a youth tournament here, they want to make it, make it run well. They want to keep the reputation going. And so I've had a couple of times where somebody was disappointed because something didn't live up to what was expected. And it makes me angry <laughs> because th these volunteers here, the better we do, the more demand there is, you know, the better the volunteers here do. I say we, but I'm not nearly, I'm not even in the top in the top half of the volunteers here as far as the time they put in for cricket related activities but like you know those people put in so much work and the more that happens the more people want to bring events here want to bring the nycl all these other things here and the more is expected from people at a short notice and they they still do it and they put up with some things i wouldn't <laughs> put up with but uh, they still do it and they're the they're the highlight of the whole thing the volunteers they're always the highlight of it it's like when people come here for a youth tournament and sometimes people do leave a mess behind and it's picked up it's picked up by people the present jana will come by you'll see jana walking down the freaking road with three bags of, he was the present before but you'll see him walking down the road with three bags of trash over his shoulders it, it gets done things get done here and that's yeah it's it's amazing it's really an amazing league and there are a lot of things that could be improved about trying to cricket league there's no doubt about it but there, there's a lot of things that could could go more smoothly but is for a big operation like this like this there's that there's you know you already saw there's a what was it eleven thousand fifty two or so members 1100 1100 not 11, i'm sorry sorry 1150 yeah and that's not even that's not even half well that's probably about half of the league as far as the whole league goes as far as every aspect of the league hard tennis leather ball women's girls uh youth all that stuff so, I mean, there's a lot, it's a huge league and it's really, I mean, whoever is president of this league puts in incredible hours. It's not something that anybody really, really wants the amount of work. Nobody's going to raise their hand unless they love it. It's uh, it's, inc it's impressive. I would put it up against any volunteer organization in the country. You talked about things that TCL does right in terms of things that could be improved, things that not necessarily are distinct to TCL, but mm -hmm. in terms of the sport in general, 
and people involved in the sport, again, whether it's TCL or independent of TCL, as somebody who was new to the game seven years ago and had to overcome various obstacles to try and maintain your passion and your support for the sport, whether as a player, as a fan, now as a mm-hmm. writer, graphic designer, you wear many hats, Nate, uh, <laughs> video, video editor, YouTube producer, uh, you know, so many things that you do. But there are times when it is a struggle and people are not necessarily welcoming and it can be challenging to sit there and sometimes you think to yourself, why, why do I stay involved with this sport? Why do I put up with this nonsense? I could have so many things I could fill my time with that would be so less stressful. I have so much less angst, have right. so much more enjoyment. What in your eyes are some things just as a general cricket fan and a general cricket player that you feel are shortcomings that people or the sport in general needs to change in order to be more successful at not just recruiting somebody mm-hmm. like you who's a newcomer to game, but sustaining that person's interest instead of after one or two experiences, pushing them away because that does happen quite a lot. Well, I have to say that the times that I'm like, sometimes you know how it is with the cricket culture in the U- United States or, or just maybe the sport in general. I, I don't even know if, if it's different, um, but, but like sometimes I do think, my gosh, why am I into this? You know, why am I, why did I choose this? You know, and it's, but when I feel that way, it's not because of local things. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's much more at the national and international level. When I see what the ICC did or didn't do, or the, the, the obvious choice they could have made that they didn't make, or when like national governing body drama, that's to me the biggest, the biggest burden. Um, but ultimately across the whole country, the things I've noticed is there, like, I think I've, we've talked about this, I don't know how many times, how many people want to burn everything down just to put, plant their flag in the rubble and say, this is mine. You know, how many people don't want to join up when, when something good starts to happen and it's got a lot of potential and, you, and it's got obvious potential and it's bigger than something that other people can do. How many people want to turn their nose up at that thing because it wasn't their thing? And then when they do their thing, they expect everyone to praise them. You know, it's like people don't, so many people don't want to just join up and say, let's do this all together. Let's, let's all have, there's a, you know, there's a million ways you can help out, but everybody wants the library named after, after them pretty much. That's the biggest problem is a lot of, and, and, you know, that, that's what kills me is, is people can't see a good thing. And some of, some of that is perpetuated by the, by the fact that I feel like the board should be a little bit more strict with what they sanction and what they don't. The official national T20 league right now is minor league cricket, and it's called minor league cricket. There are 80 other things sanctioned that are called like world's greatest cricket league or something like that. You know, Mo- like the American best. The Mo- what's that? Or minor or cricket league, just switching the letters league, around. Minor which is just league. switching the letters around. And then you sanction that guy's tournaments who's trying to make a league that's obviously competing with minor league. It doesn't make sense to me. Like, why would you sanction that? Why wouldn't you say, hey, look, we'll sanction your league, but you got to call it like the Piedmont Cricket Tournament or something. You can't call it super duper American premier special league or something. To me, that that's a big, that's important. Because everybody who starts these leagues tries to get everybody else to think that they're the greatest things in the world. And, and you know, maybe that's harm. Maybe that's not as harmful as I think it is. But um, too many people don't want to join up. 
that's to me the biggest thing the biggest problem with cricket in this country is that is that too many people there everybody wants to wants to be in charge and not enough people want to join up and around here that's it's not as big of a problem i think as it is elsewhere but we still have bad actors in tcl you know well, there's plenty 50, of bad 50 percent you know you said it's roughly 50 percent of the league has signed up to be an Evers. that might sound like 50 percent of the people are against but actually compared to all the other leagues across the country that's an incredible sign up membership rate it's amazing you've got yeah. other leagues where you might have be lucky to have five percent or one yeah. percent of the players right. in the league who are members <laughs> yeah it, it's it's really something else and then this is another thing. The last year they said that there were, remember, remember when they said they, they managed to get 12, uh, 20,000 was what they, around 20,000. And now we see the list and it's about 12,000. So that's interesting, but 12,000 is nothing to turn your, your, your nose up to. That's that's a good job. But um, I mean, we talked before about how many, how many Eric Parthen was able to get and he did a really good job. I mean, he, he was, elbows deep in it sending emails to individuals trying to get 10,000 people or, or, or whatever you know and um so it's 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 impressive whenever you can get 10,000 pe- people that are members that's great that's excellent but um yeah it's there's so many questions all the time so so like you said like well I'm, pull, I'm, I'm that- pulling up the press release right now to just to further your point in the press release that was put out March 19th 2021 about the lawsuit that was filed by Shrini Solver and Vina Pasike against the other board members and Ian Higgins, the CEO at the time, the first bullet point in the press release says, USA Cricket has just concluded a very successful membership recruitment drive that has led to huge numbers of individuals registering for membership, which will lead to an increase in its membership numbers from approximately 700 in December 2020 to nearly 20,000 by the time the process is completed within a few weeks. So they claimed, quote, quote, nearly 20,000. And then nine months 10 months later we see the actual data released Twelve thousand seven hundred of the loosest interpretation of <laughs> nearly twenty thousand, you could say but yeah no we're close to that that's that's not even well, two-thirds of 20 000. i think they i think they just assumed that all the fancy guys that that um submitted requests to have their league san- sanctioned also signed up from as members i think i think they just assumed that would that they would also sign up as members but as we know many of the people whose leagues are sanctioned aren't members of usa cricket so that's disappointing <laughs> but yeah i mean i guess if you took the 800 people that 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 that, ha- that have a sanctioned league in this country and you combined it with our voting with our voting group you'd have twenty thousand. <laughs> i'm just being uh sarcastic obviously but uh yeah, I, I mean, like, like I said, like, the, there's nothing in, in this community. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's some things that that um that are really irritating. I think a lot of it you can chalk up to a constitution here that was written when it was a, a man, when it was a men's only league, basically when it was a adult league, and it was written for adult clubs to be the voters. And now you have those clubs have too much power. I think you know where when you have to consider youth cricket and you should be subsidizing the youth cricket with the adult fees in my opinion in my opinion you know like our league shouldn't be all about just nate and a bunch of other 40 year old men going out and having a great time and getting their getting their league fees subsidized by everybody else you know it should be the other way around it should be well no league member is going to vote against their own interests they're not going to vote to raise the fees you know, so oh, that's but, and you know, and you know, well, well, yeah, the, exactly. The cricket culture in America. I mean, one of my former clubs, it cracked me up at the time I was a student and the membership fee was 
either $125 or $150. And I was a student. My income was basically a work study job, but right. I had student loans and I had a work study job and I also had a part-time job. I forget at the time I was either working for Dick Sporting Goods as a force uh, customer service rep, or I worked for FedEx as a package loader overnight. I worked the overnight shift from like 11 p.m. until 2 or 3 a.m. loading freight haul trucks to be driven out the next morning. And so I'm, I'm scraping whatever money I can get, taking any job right. as a college student to work. I, I also worked as a valley car parker you know, on, on Friday and Saturday nights at special <laughs> events in, in Omaha at the Opera House or right. at Quest Center. So any money, any part-time job, any any extra hours I could get, I, I would go for it. And I'm not, I wasn't rich. I'm, I'm still not rich now, but as, as a student, you know, you're, you're a student. And, really not rich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I wasn't, it wasn't exactly like surviving on ramen noodles, but it wasn't like right. too far off from that. And um, $125, $150, whatever the membership fee was, I thought was a bargain. And I, yeah. I was like one of the first people to write the check. Here's, here's my membership fee for the year, $125, $150. And yet other guys in the club, if we had 15 matches for the summer, if they played 10, in September, they would start bitching to the club captain and the club president. I want $50 back from my $150 membership fee prorated based on the fact that I only played 10 out of 15 matches and I yeah. need a $50 refund. And these are guys who are six figure earners, either in the IT or some of them might be doctors or other high earning jobs, MBAs, whatever you name it. And I just thought like, how embarrassing is this? Is this really the state of yeah. Britain in this country that you're you're nickel and diming money that could be used for facility improvements? Any extra income that was raised by the club was meant to be used to improve infrastructure at, at our facility in terms of building nets, building practice right. nets, or yeah. trying to invest in money, collect, raise enough money so that we could get irrigation at the ground proper irrigation so that we could cut the grass properly instead of having sure. six inch high grass. If you get a sprinkler system in the field, then you can maintain it better and you can actually cut it to an acceptable standard, but you got to have the irrigation in place to do that. So all these sorts of things. No, no, I want my $50 back. Um, and I don't feel yeah, like that's crazy. Of the club. And that's, that's not a unique response or a unique no. individual. That attitude is the majority viewpoint and the majority attitude for a lot of players and a lot of cricket clubs all around the country and i've not seen anybody ask for money back because of something but i've seen people not, who maybe owed money who didn't want to pay because they didn't feel they got enough games or something like that. oh that's and classic it's, it's, yeah stalling stalling yeah. just you're refusing to pay your know, right or or yeah the flip side instead of paying the 150 dollars They'll just say, oh, well, I, I paid today. I, I played today. If we have 15 matches, I'll pay $10 for today's match because that's one fifteenth of the membership fee for the season. <laughs> yeah, and that's, and that's crazy because, you know, you know, playing, you know how expensive hockey is. And in, in, when I was in Baltimore, there were two seasons a year for, for adults. There was the winter season, and they were each 25 weeks, and there was a, like a week in between, you know. So there was like the winter season. There were 24 weeks and then two weeks between or whatever. It would be like winter season and then summer season. And it was like split perfectly, you know, in half. But ultimately you were paying by the time you were done for a calendar year of hockey, your ice time cost you probably about $1,100. And that's what I pay now. If I play all here, are the three seasons, if I play all three seasons, it's about $1,100 a year for ice time. And that's, and, 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 and ice time, you're not paying to access it on 
Saturday at eleven o'clock or Saturday at noon or one o'clock. You're paying you're, for your games. You're well, not just yeah. that. You're but you're you're accessing it like you said before, eleven p.m. at night or five yep. a.m. five a.m. six a.m. Because they <laughs> give the kids the seven o'clock, eight o'clock, nine o'clock. Yeah, that's exactly. what they give the kids, which is yeah. makes sense, you know. Um, so yeah, you're you're and if you want to go play pickup, it's you know ten fifteen bucks a pop, and that's and that and that's five a.m. on Thursday. <laughs> so it's 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 uh, the kids come first in hockey, and they always yeah. do. And you just if you want to play, that's what you pay, and that's why when I moved across the street from that rink, I wanted to play all the time, and I was just like, I'll work here for you at least one night a week, just. I want to pay for my ice time. And that worked out for me. I bartered that way. You know, not everyone gets that chance to do that, of course. But um, with the with the cricket, it's it's it, most leagues supplement them the adult game with the with other fees, with either sponsorship that they get or that they could be putting into the youth program. Instead, they're putting it towards the adult teams they have to pay for. And I really feel like if you just said, okay, look, we're going to pay whatever, what it costs for your team. That's what you're going to pay. You know, whatever it costs per team, that's what the team should pay. If they did that, you think people would really stop paying for playing cricket. People aren't going to stop playing. You're going to have, well, just as many you, you could, you could have another spite league open up next door and undercut the good the luck finding prices. the ground around here. And I mean, there have been talks of that, but no one can do it because the grounds are already locked up there is a massive shortage of sports grounds in this area for all sports. I mean, I ran a men's basketball team and we couldn't find anywhere to practice. It just couldn't, you know, there was nothing. So there's, wow. there's nothing so around for that. That's basketball in North Carolina. I mean, come on. yeah, well, that's, it's big. Yeah. But I mean, you know, all these things, it's really tough. And, you know, unless you go to a public um, parks and rec department and, you know, work with them somehow. Oh yeah. And speaking of indoor practice facilities, you know, what's a cool thing we talked about. Jeff Hostetler was my favorite player, football player, because I knew his brother because I went to church with him, with his brother, uh, but right around the corner from me, I could walk, I could ride a bike there in 15 minutes is a place where you, it's one of the two places in the area you can practice indoor cricket and it's called pro three, five sports. And it's owned by a guy named Chad. And I'm in there one day and Chad's wife had a West Virginia, uh jacket on i was like oh west virginia my favorite quarterback went there and she was like oh who's that and i was like jeff hostetler she's like no kidding that's that's chad's cousin so so it's just it's just so funny that like it's such a small world right the guy is cousins with my favorite football player so that was just it was just like oh wow i feel like i'm meant to play cricket here you know you know at this particular facility but yeah that's an aside for sure but but yeah it's like you know, and it's probably just because of old constitutions and teams aren't going to vote. The, the men's teams have a majority to the say they're not going to vote again. They're not going to vote to raise their own prices, you know, their own fees. Anytime any of that's talked about, it's the most, least popular thing in the world. And it's like kind of stuck. But, yeah, that's to me the biggest problem with, you know, I wish that people would prioritize youth more than anything else and not make it so expensive for the youth. And when you do that, you see the participation numbers around the country. There are plenty, there are a lot of youth playing cricket, but not nearly as many as there are 40 year old men. Probably the one year of 40 years old men playing in cricket probably doubles the amount of kids playing in cricket of any age. <laughs> uh, and so, not, not just 40 year old men, 40 year old men who are 35 pounds overweight and uh, smoking a cigarette or with a can of beer open at fine leg. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, you checked, you checked who, off two who, boxes yet, there for me. Yet who are taking it ultra, <laughs> ultra seriously, they, so they say. And, you know, oh, my God, don't, how, how dare you? Don't you dare drop me from the 11. This is what I've spent my whole week building up for. This is the beyond end all of cricket in North Carolina or cricket in New Jersey or cricket in Nebraska or cricket in California. And we're taking right. it ultra seriously. So don't you interfere <laughs> with, with my game. And, yes, I may be 40 years old and 35 pounds of weight, but I deserve to be right. in the 11 ahead of that 18-year-old <laughs> who actually has a future in this game. Yeah, and people shouldn't go along with that, but they do. People go along with it. That's what gets gets me. But yeah, I mean, that's I'm sure other sports are probably a little bit like that. People want to protect their spot. You know, that's what they want to do. And I understand. And nobody owes me a, a slot on the team or whatever any more than anybody they owe anyone else. Um, but obviously we're all paying a league fee. So we all should get we all should get some games. You know, there are teams in the area that just hoard players and they like, they always play the same 11 guys and it just, it just grosses me out, you know, but that the team's really good. So those people that they hoard that don't get to play are just happy to be there. I don't understand it. Yes. Yeah, so, but like the thing, only things that make me not that make me want to tune out are really just the nonsense that happens at the national and international levels. Like when, like, and I'm a big fan of USA cricket, you know, I'm a big fan of it. I write about it. I try to cover it because I want people to know about what's happening or, you know, I just my personality type. I want to talk about it. You know what I mean? But when something that's not fun happens, that whole stuff with the lawsuit, the delayed elections, those things are so there's such a massive boulder, you know, like it just run. It just runs me over and flattens me. I don't I don't enjoy writing about that stuff. <laughs> You know, I don't enjoy it. And it just, I mean, to be honest, I mean, to be brutally honest, when things like that happen, it's just like, it's deflating. It really is deflating. Uh, I love doing stuff for Emerging Cricket because I really believe in them. And I believe in that brand and what it stands for. And that was my favorite podcast. When I started doing stuff with them, I didn't miss a podcast that just listening to how I loved it when they had especially it was great to have the players on as guests or things like that. But my favorite guests were when people related to a people doing something for a national governing body would come in and talk about the way they're doing something like what, what, why things are going this way in Italy or why the things are going this way in Germany. And you hear about the different flavors of the different problems that each national governing body has, because everyone's got it. Every nation's different. You know, everyone has to deal with different, different issues. And um, that was the stuff that was, the most fascinating to me so get working with those guys doing this stuff is is it's just a passion that, that's um i'm happy I'm, i like doing it but when it comes down to something that's bad news you know it's it can be an albatross sometimes like it really can well for years and years when this has come up and people a lot of people accuse me of being the most negative journalist in american cricket or the most negative journalist in associate cricket because half my articles are has been focused on election issues or governance issues. And I tell people essentially like nothing would please me more if for 365 days a year, I had matches to write about matches to cover. And, you know, if Ali Khan and Rusty Tehran rescuing USA in a super over and, you know, running two buys off the final ball, and <laughs> if that was happening every day for 365 days a year, I would happy as guy that. around. I would want well, more than happy or unhappy, but I would write about that for 365 days a year. If that's what was happening, it just so happens that that only happens one day a year <laughs> and 300 or 330 out of the other 365 days a year 
there's no cricket happening. And instead what's happening, a lot of off field shenanigans that merit coverage. And so, Hey, garbage in garbage out. If that's what's happening, that's what's going right. That's what's coming my way. That's what I'm going to shoot back out in my article. Like, right. What do you want? Now suddenly it's your fault. Now suddenly it's your, you're the negative one. Shoot the messenger, baby. That's what it's all about. Well, like, you know, I don't like, I don't like that. You know, it's, it's not fun. That's not fun. Now, I've said I've pretty much crapped all over the NGB, but like the last year or so, I mean, 2021, you set aside the negative things. 2021 was a was amazing year for cricket in the USA. I mean, there were so many so many things that happened. It was really eventful. Yeah, there were plenty of negative things. There was typical stuff that that always happens. But but as far as the cricket went, we had two, we had four um, national championships this year. That's pretty cool. We had minor league happen and that went pretty well. Obviously, you know, it's funny because all the, any of the problems that happened in minor league were kind of predictable because of the, we already know kind of what the culture is like. And so you can predict some of the things that are going to happen. You knew, you knew in June, July, Nate, that there was going to be a 50 something year old owner opening the batting for his team by the end of the season. You knew that was going to happen. That was definitely going to happen. And it happened what three times I think, um, at some point two or three times, which with, multi- isn't that with bad. multiple franchises too. It wasn't just one franchise. It happened in a couple right. places. It could have been a lot worse, and you knew that some guys were going to pl- open their sons batting, you know, and, and you knew that that wasn't going to go well. Hey, hey so you knew- if, if you if you're willing to put down the money to pay for a team, and that's how you want to run your team, you want to you want to send your son in to bat. You bought a team just so you can have your son open the batting. That's how you want to operate your team, and you paid for the team, and that. More power to you, but don't act surprised when you wind up in last place at the end of the season. Or, right, or if if the league says we strongly frown upon this and you do it anyways and the league doesn't want to trust you anymore. You know, it's it should be viewed a privilege to have a franchise. Hey, if Jerry Jones wanted to dump Tony Romo as starting quarterback a few years ago and start Stephen Jones as starting quarterback, He's the owner of the Cowboys. He could have done that if he wanted to. But as a billion-dollar franchise, I think Jerry Jones has the sense to know that maybe getting rid of Tony Romo for, for Stephen Jones might not be the best business decision if you want to run a successful franchise. That message hasn't quite registered with some of the minor league owners yet. He didn't duplicate the value of his franchise by 2,000 times because of things like that. He's and you know yeah he is probably one of the more hands-on owners too at least at least by reputation anyways. But, hey, um, but you never know. Minor league cricket, we could see one day uh, Henry Rowan Gardner suiting up, <laughs> bowling hundred miles an hour. <laughs> no, he would have to injure his shoulder. I think it was his elbow. He injured. Was it his shoulder? Or his, his elbow? elbow. It was his elbow. He broke his, his elbow because he was like yeah he had that whip action. It was uh yeah um throwing the ball through people's gloves and stuff yeah uh who knows maybe we will i mean this is this um, is yeah this is what we need in cricket we need henry rowan garner and we need steve nebraska coming to play cricket that'll (laughs) that'll explode that'll launch the sport to a a new stratosphere (laughs) in america right yeah but but my point is the problems that happen in minor league with 2017s the, the problems that happen there we could predict them because we know the the mo of some people around across the country you need them to buy into the thing you need them to buy into minor league cricket you really do you need 
uh, that you need that buy-in from people. So you, so you got to expect that they're going to come around with their, with their bullshit a little bit, you know, it's, <laughs> I don't know uh, if you're going to bleep that out or not, but, but you know what I'm saying? It's, it's like, you could predict some of those things that were going to happen, but by and large, I mean, look at the, the, the good decisions minor, major league cricket made. First of all, they held the finals at church street park. That's obvious. And so they're doing, you say it's obvious, smart, but considering obviously. all the, the political factors at play in American cricket, not necessarily the fact that they it's, overcame a lot it's, of the p- political p- maneuvering and backdoor jockeying to still have the Christian Park. I thought that was incredible. Yes, it's the obvious decision to make when you look at it from a pro- perspective of you want the thing to look good and you want people there. Those two things are easily checked off at that. They're, they're, it's the only place that checks off those two boxes automatically. It's the only place in the country that does that. And so from our point of view, it's the obvious thing to do. But like you said, you have to overcome the politics and stuff like that in order to get it there. And they stiff-armed that stuff and said, this is the smart thing to do and we're going to do it. And uh, so they did it and it was awesome. It was excellent. You were there. We had a good time. We got to, uh, me, you and Smith got to be in the same place at the same time together. And Smith got to sit in the uh, VIP section. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, you know, I mean, so, so many amazing things happened this year and the national governing body deserves to be praised for the things that went well. And of course, then we have the things that, that like, you know, seem to be more typical, but yeah, the politics of cricket here is complicated. Today's episode of the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast presented by Dream Cricket is also sponsored by Musa Cricket Stadium, the first and original turf wicket facility in the state of Texas, and now one of the premier venues for the minor league cricket T20 franchise tournament. Located at 5515 McKeever Road in Pearland, five miles off the Bailey Road exit from State Route 288 and a half hour south of downtown Houston, Musa Cricket Stadium includes fully enclosed locker rooms and change rooms plus shower facilities after day's play, as well as outdoor nets for all your training needs. For more information, call 713-534-2195. That's Moosa Cricket Stadium in Pearland, Texas. Let me ask you about that. You've mentioned it a few times, emerging cricket, getting involved with emerging cricket as a writer, as somebody who's hosting podcasts and doing a weekly show for minor league cricket. And I am assuming those plans will expand further for next year for minor league cricket and potentially major when that launches in 2023 running a weekly show for that, but then fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> all the other graphic design work you do, you mentioned again in college, you studied art and all the graphic design work you do. I, I mentioned at the very, very start of the podcast that you helped design the cover jacket for my book inside the selection room. So you wear many hats in emerging cricket and just in general, what for you, do you get the most pleasure out of in terms of your involvement in emerging cricket to be able to produce the certain kind of content that you do? the best thing about it is that like it gives it gives me a chance to contribute to something that i that i believe in and it gives me a chance to indulge myself almost like that's part of it is like i I get to write about things i like and um not only get to write about things i like but people read it you know that's another thing it's like um merging cricket has an audience so that's cool i get i get to write about things that i like I get to share my ideas sometimes, which I try to limit because I'm, <laughs> I'm the type of person that I, I'll have a lot of ideas and they're not always going to be good ideas. Nobody's ideas are always good. So I, I, I'm the type of person that will change my mind. If I have an opinion and somebody says, here's why your opinion sucks. 
and I think about it and I'm like, you're right. My opinion sucks. I'll change my opinion, you know? So I, that's one of the reasons why I try to not always share my ideas or my opinions as much as I, as we all want to share our opinions. Are you trying I mean, to tell me that Nate, that you were not motivated when you have had ideas shot down, you didn't ever contemplate the idea of starting a spite cricket website for writing your content. <laughs> No, one thing one thing is emerging emerging cricket has never said don't do that to me you know like i mean i feel like i've screened myself all right too i haven't really come up with any stinkers to them that i've like pushed really hard you know like i'll talk to them hey, what do you think about this and they'll we'll go back and forth with somebody usually nick or something or or or, or tim or bez or or somebody else and then you know sometimes yeah that's a bad idea i won't do that but uh but yeah they've been really cool with like appreciating when i do have ideas and share it with with them and uh they they pretty much just let me kind of do what what i want to do most of you know which is amazing and i have a ton of respect for those guys uh they're they every one of them all of those guys rod everybody nish tom you know there's a lot of talented people that really care and, and the, the amount of work they put into what they do inspires me to do what i can do but yeah i love it i think the fit my favorite part is uh, the excitement that that we're we're doing something that nobody else is really doing not 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 that nobody else is really doing but you know what i mean like we're we're trying to do something that ma that, that makes that makes a difference there are other people doing it and just not the same way we're doing it you know what i'm saying like the whole site is about, is about associate cricket, the whole site, everything is about associate cricket there and um, emerging nations, emerging crickets and no, and you know, there, there's other people. Yeah. I guess there are a couple other people doing that now, but, but it's, you know what I'm saying? It's like, there's, we're doing it because it, not because it generates clicks, not because people look at the stuff and we're not pushing, Oh, do more of this because it got a whole lot of views. It's more like this should be covered you know, we should do this. This is, this deserves attention. If a thousand people read it, great. That's awesome. If a hundred people read it, then that's fine. You know, like there's always that debate about for women's cricket, for example, people, a lot of people will say, well, we'll start to cover women's cricket when people start to demand it. And the other flip side of that is you create the demand by covering it. You know, you I know how chicken, that goes. chicken and the egg thing chicken and the egg thing and we get to we get to say well okay in our opinion we should do the egg you know <laughs> so so it's um that's what i like about it is it, and uh, nobody's in it for for themselves nobody's in it nobody's taking any money you know so it's like ah it's a good group of guys um and then that's probably what i like the most about it is the group of people that are involved getting to chat with some people that and some people that come in and out you know work help when they can because they just genuinely can't immerse all their free time into it. But yeah, I, I don't know what my favorite thing is about. Probably the people involved is my favorite thing. Besides the 2024 T20 World Cup, what do you envision happening in the next five years or so with cricket in America? And, and what role do you want to play in that happening, whether it's for emerging cricket or through some other avenue or platform locally or beyond? like what 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 do i see in five years type of thing is cricket still going to be in the same place where it is now where you've got board members suing each other and election oh. issues and uh registration issues and people fighting each other from league to league or do you think at some point in time nate 2027 2028 we might achieve some semblance of cricket utopia in america 
well that's not gonna happen that part <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but i mean things are, are getting better and they're gonna keep getting better i think that's i believe that but uh you know it's tough because you look at you look at where things should go and where all of us want things to go and then you look at the people who are already there <laughs> you look at the boards that are already there where we where we want to get our national team to our national setup the whole the whole works where we want to get that and you look at the dysfunction just across the board in cricket in general it's unbelievable it's just it's shocking <laughs> it's it's genuinely shocking just the amount of time somebody kind of like shoots themselves in the foot around the world it's really disheartening you know they get their priorities wrong or they just make a genuinely stupid decision uh, we're in an age where in sports in general you know the the fan doesn't always isn't always the, the, a, a, much of a consideration it's just the fact that we've had times in the past where there wasn't more done to get cricket cricket matches played at church street park and instead they played in front of hardly anyone four people or something that's a shame you know you should care about wanting people to see your national team product that should be a priority i mean that should be a priority that you go where people care about you it should be a priority it hasn't always been a priority i think it's becoming more of a priority now and that's you know i do believe that that's happening but it hasn't always been the priority but yeah that's i don't know five years i think things will be better we'll have major league cricket at that point hopefully we'll have we'll be having more venues you know, you are, you are one of the things, one of yours, if you, if there was a PDP drawstring doll, the first thing it would say is I, I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> <laughs> and the, you know, um, there'd be other, a couple other things in there too, but that would be the first one. But um, yeah, so I think we get the, these venues going in the right places. I know that that's a big priority talking to major league cricket, a big priority is getting the venues in the right places like we talked about just having a venue show up an hour away from a city in the middle of nowhere is not going to mean anything it's not going to i mean it's going to be great for in some ways we need all the venues we can get but as far as like a church street park in the right place could be huge for cricket in this country church street park in new jersey or new york something like that happening would be massive and so i think a couple of those things happen around the country the sky's the limit yeah, I mean, I, I think things are going in the right direction. I really do. I mean, what do you, what do you think? I mean, things have changed a lot in the last five years around the whole country. I tell you what makes me hopeful about something like Church Street Park and how that projects outward to the country and the example that that's it. One of the things you talked about was everybody wants their library named after them. And I think to myself, it's a miracle that Church Street Park <laughs> is not named cricket administrator x field <laughs> you know uh or you know or alternatively you know the rbc bank cricket field or whatever going the yeah. other way cor a corporate yeah. overboard sponsorship slapping the mm -hmm. name right on the field which theoretically could be good because it means there's yeah. more money coming into the field but um <laughs> the fact that they went the traditional route that tied it to the community and symbolized yeah, huge. The community, i find that yeah. to be extraordinary that somebody didn't step in and say oh, no i want the field named after me or no it should be named after this person you know we should name it this way there's, you know let's put you know there's a couple of people whose names we should put you know we should honor them and guarantee you none of them would have been a cricketer and none of them would, yeah. have, been, would have been an american cricketer yeah 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 i think you're right i think um 
Yeah, you're right. I mean, we just you, well, that you gives me hope. Time. To answer your question, that that gives me a bit of hope that there are that people thinking in a right mind that right we want to open up this field that will be by the community for the community, and that mm-hmm. starts from the name on down. And you see all the wonderful things that you see at Church Street Park, which hey, the gauntlet has been thrown down to the rest of the country and the rest of the cricket communities. You got to step up your game if you want to. Yeah, get things awarded to you in the same way that Church Street Park is. And 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 that said, Church Street Park is the source of so much hope in my mind. And, and that said, it took you know ten years for Church Street Park to get to where it is today. It took a lot. It took a long time, and it's going to take a long time wherever it shows up next. It's just going to. You know, it's funny we were talking about USA possibly being a full member nation by. 10 years from now, it'll take that long for the second Church Street Park to show up. (laughs) I think things are going in the right direction. That's a great thing. Um, But as far as the downside is, we're always going to have a lot of people running for board who are going to do things that, and I hope whoever listens to this takes note to this, because this is, this is a sure sign that somebody doesn't know what they're talking about. When, when, you know, you will see a lot of people running for board we're always going to have these guys that are going to talk about how, well, I'm going to get cricket in the NCAA. This is a big, this is one of the topics you and I talk about the most. <laughs> I'm going to get cricket in NCAA. Hey, we've been going for close make, to four hours now. We could go another four hours just on this topic. We could alone. go for it from this time alone. And they don't know. Yeah. They don't know anything about, about what's limiting that, you know, title nine and what, whatnot and all those, these rules. And, um, you look at like for example let's look at how club teams become ncaa teams not just sports but the teams you have to have a club team if you want uh, if you have like penn state for example they have a, an ncaa ice hockey team now which wasn't you know wasn't always gay said my my cousin yeah one of my cousins was the goaltender for the penn state ice hockey team when it was still a club sport and this was only it was a club sport forever this yeah, was yeah. as recently as 15 17 18 years ago we were the same age i was gonna say yeah and 2003 2004 2005 it was still a club sport and the fact that it's now a varsity sport where you can compete for ncaa championships is extraordinary yeah yeah it is and that that's come a long way i i knew people who played for penn state when it was a club team and uh it was just a passionate club team so that eventually now they have a state-of-the-art facility you know they got an amazing rink where they play their games and it's beautiful you know that took a long time just to get one team from club that took years of of people talking about it and, and 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 rallying for it and that finally became an ncaa team so to get an entire sport in you need to get a lot of clubs first and you need a lot of clubs that have women's clubs. You need just as many of those, you know, you need to start with things like that. They're not going to well, just say, let's, ha- let's start a women's cricket. NCAA. What's going through my mind is if cricket were to become an NCAA sport, however many years in the line, I have this vision in my mind where cricket would be, again, it would be starting off as a fringe sport. Okay. It would be yeah. you know, a non-revenue generating sport, most likely in the same grouping as golf or tennis or rowing or, a crew or right. gymnastics and what goes through my mind is in the spirit of american cricket history how would cricket at ncaa level gain notoriety and gain a higher profile in america more than likely it would be the new age version of the varsity blues fbi sting where you have <laughs> rich parents 
<laughs> using spots on the cricket team to try and uh, pay their, their kid $100,000 to the cricket coach and say, hey, my kid doesn't actually play cricket, doesn't know what a cricket bat looks like or a cricket ball, but <laughs> hey, we want to get this kid into USC or UCLA right. um, or yeah. Texas, say, coach, here's a brown brown envelope, a brown bag, just get them on to the cricket team. And then <laughs> once once they get admitted to the university, then they can... Uh, withdraw themselves and say, you know, I, I quit the cricket team and I'm going to pursue other endeavors on campus. That that would be yeah. so American cricket if that were to happen. And that, <laughs> that would be something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if cricket is going to become an NCAA sport, something like you, right here, we have three big college sports schools right in the same area. So if NC State, UNC, Duke all had a men's and women's cricket team and played all their games at Church Street Park, you know, at the club games and they had clubs and that grew, then maybe they could make an NCAA division, you know, the, but it would take some time. It would take a, it would take a long time and there'd have to be a demand for it. I think broom ball has a better chance of being an NCAA sport right now. Than there are a lot of things. Does. I think skateboarding, breakdancing, again, anything that's going into the Olympics right now has a much better chance. Pickleball absolutely has a much better chance of gaining traction at NCAA. Now, esports, for God's sake, who would have taken yeah, esports seriously as a scholarship endeavor? And yet, Ohio State, other big universities, they've got scholarships awarded to their esports teams that they've formed. And I, I had seen, I don't know how many years ago, there was a real sports episode that profiled this kind of new phenomenon as it was happening. And sure enough, that was probably about 10 years ago, but sometime in the last year, I was going through some airport on the way in and out of Florida or Texas to one of the national tournaments. And yeah, in the airport, there was a group of about eight or nine kids who, at college age, who were in the, you know, tracksuit training suit with whatever, I forget what college it was, but, you know, the fully sponsored, fully embroidered university, uh, you know, Nike or Adidas kit. And, uh, you know, on the sleeve on the back, it was the, uh, you know, university esports gaming team. I'm thinking, holy right. shit, these guys can get funding and get recognition and status. And yet cricket, 55, 60 yeah. years plus beyond the USACA birth in 1965, where where is the sport today? It's so it's such a shame. It's not outside of the realm of possibility that NC that they that it becomes an NCAA sport, but I, I just but again, I just you know, the steps to do it are are steps that a lot of people don't want to do. And they're simple steps. Mm -hmm. You know, you're you know, getting women to play. If you you're going to get yeah that's the biggest one you've got to mm -hmm. subtract a men's sport for title nine you've got to subtract a men's sport to add men's cricket so you've got to subtract yeah. men's tennis men's golf men's rowing men's volleyball men's gymnastics men's wrestling whatever good luck with that because again those are all Olympic yeah. status sports or mm -hmm. you can add women's cricket at the same time as men's cricket all yep. you have to do is look at the membership data that was released in the usa cricket membership rules to show what a monumental task that is even though on paper, it seems simple, but of all the members who are registered and eligible to vote, 95, 96, 97, 98% of them are men. Where are the women? Yeah. You need women to grow cricket in the country. Women's cricket you has been grown at the same rate as men's cricket. And as long yeah. as it's so far behind and the, right. the support financial and in terms yeah. of human resources in there, cricket's always going to be, remain behind. And yet once people wake up to that, you'll have the USA women's team be right on par with most of the other countries around the world with the exception yeah. of maybe Australia and England. But 
how many people in India care about women's cricket? Not not too many because they demonstrate that by the fact that they still years later don't have a women's IPL. Uh, I don't know. We don't, right. we, we, we don't, you know, care about it. Right. And whether you agree with that decision, you could be the world's biggest misogynist and say, screw, screw the women that, you know, that was, that's a stupid idea. It's just going to burn money, whatever. It's short sighted because in the long mm-hmm. term, you're, you're eliminating 50% yeah. of the potential right. target market from, right. and you're excluding them from growth, from participation, from fan engagement, all these things. You, and you're stopping your ability to grow the men's programs. Yeah. So yeah. You, you cut off, you immediately cut off 50% of the market. Uh, mm-hmm. That's going to stunt your growth on the men's side too. Yeah. And hopefully yeah, at some point in time, the U.S. Yeah. administrators will wake up to that. And right now, as it stands, they would, in order to have an NCAA, if, if all of a sudden the NCAA was like, all right, we're going to do it. We're going to create six NCAA men's and women's teams. You'd have to give a scholarship to every single woman in the country that plays cricket and they'd all have to go to college. You know, it's like, that's, that's not going to happen. So you need to like, you need vastly more women's cricketers around the country. And I'm optimistic that that will eventually happen. Um, I think Julia Price is, is doing a great job. She's very energetic and she knows what she's doing when it comes to things like this, you know, and she loves to travel, you know, <laughs> it's a really helpful thing when you want to spread, you know, when you want to be Johnny Appleseed for women's cricket, you know, you, it helps to want to be to like traveling. Yeah. I mean, so I think things are going in the right direction. I mean, like we didn't even know how many women's cricketers there were, you know, two years ago, we had no clue. And, and now we have a sense and that's a big thing. That's a big, uh, you know, just knowing is, is big. And then, like we you've pointed out several times it's great to have the young teenagers involved in the women's team already because they show a lot of promise like there's so so many good <laughs> they're the, the ones that made the women's team deserved it they're very good players so um that's very promising and when leagues start to when the local leagues start to prioritize getting women's cricket in and the the national governing body has to incentivize that somehow i have to find some way to say hey look we want <laughs> we want more women's programs and you're the local league here make room try to make this happen make make space and and if you can do that there's a benefit that would be nice and i think that they're thinking they're thinking in those terms i believe they are i believe they're really thinking about what they can do to to encourage that because i i think they there's enough people now that know that we're only going as far as that that goes you know like we can we can really expedite the whole of cricket in this country if we can expedite the women's uh, program and the girls the girls cricket in this country that's massive if we can do that so many things open up and become possible that that's such a big thing and any progress they've made is great is is excellent and they just got to keep they got to do even more you know it has to be a priority it's just so obvious <laughs> time will tell nate whether these happen <laughs> in our lifetime before before we die i'm i'm most hopeful about that probably i'm very hopeful about that fingers just crossed because, <laughs> fingers crossed but i am hopeful about it because we're starting from here and anytime you're starting from here you don't have you don't have a you don't have a whole lot of weeds you know what I mean? It's like you you got the flower bed and you can make a, the culture good, better from the start, from close to the start in the women's game. Obviously, there's I'm saying it like they're completely independent of each other, women's and men's cricket. They aren't. 
but as much as you can, you can start better with the women's program than you can with, with, with just men's and boys cricket and in, in, uh, around the country. It's, it's already kind of, it's, it's got its ugly spots that are always going to probably be there. The one thing that has been missing from the stars and stripes cricket podcast for the first year and eight has been a guest capable of making deft botany references <laughs> and we need we need more green thumbs on the podcast maybe to to brighten up the the show and talk about the weeds and the flower beds i like that i like that analogy <laughs> very very much yeah there you go every once in a while i pull one out you know but i try a lot of analogies i tried tons of analogies i just spit them out and every once in a while one of them sounds good. <laughs> Bullseye right there. All right. Time for the favorite 11. 11 uh, questions. You know the deal. You ready to rock and roll? Yeah, sure. As a Maryland native, I try and tailor certain questions to the guests where they're from. You talked about your stepdad was uh, uh, worked on a boat, crab fishing. What mm-hmm. is the favorite way to prepare a crab dish for you? Steamed. Well, uh, I've, so I got diagnosed with celiac two years ago. So um, crab cakes are kind of out the window, at least as, as I know them and as I enjoyed them <laughs> and fried too, fried crabs, fried soft crabs. I always loved eating soft crabs. Steamed, I've always had, I've always like preferred steamed the hard crabs the most. Steamed with Old Bay seasoning or I have to look and see if Old Bay is gluten I imagine it's gluten free. I don't think they're like sneaking any wheat or powder or anything in it i haven't had crabs since before the pandemic it's been that long it's it's uh and it's uh now right now i'm feeling very sad but yeah steam steamed hard crabs i can sit there and eat them for three hours and uh i love picking them i love the whole thing i love talking as you know yeah so i like sitting there at a table making a huge mess and talking to people while i eat while i suck crab meat out of a crab your favorite maryland sports moment growing up the state of maryland not necessarily the university of maryland but maryland related sports team growing up your favorite sports moment growing up or my whole life oh your whole life we can throw that in there the caps the capitals winning the stanley cup in 2018 yeah that was the biggest that was that was the biggest and then maybe probably terrapins winning the national basketball championship in 2002 that was really big. That was awesome. Juan Dixon. Remember that? Juan Dixon. Yeah, yeah. Juan Dixon was the man on that team. And then, uh, uh, yeah, he was he was something else. I actually had a Juan Dixon jersey up until recently. But, uh, yeah, so probably, yeah, the Capitals. The Capitals winning the Stanley Cup is number one. Absolutely. As a Caps fan, if people who were a Caps fan their whole life, like me, it's been a, it was, it's been a terrible journey. I mean, just like heartbreak all the time. I mean, how many times were we the, looking like the best team in the league and then we could lose in the first or second round? <laughs> <laughs> and it would always go seven games. Everything you know, always goes seven and we'd lose in the seventh game. And uh, yeah, so the, the Capitals for sure. Your favorite non-Maryland sports moment in your life? Ha, I bet you could guess this, Super Bowl twenty-five, And then the second favorite would be the national, the NFC championship game before that i thought you were gonna flip it the other way around i thought you were gonna say the nfc title game 1990 that was yeah that's yeah that that game was amazing the the, i still watch that every once in a while on youtube the national i watched that one probably more than the super bowl (laughs) but the super bowl was um 
because it was like different. The Giants won with a field goal and won, and they and they won because the other team missed a field goal in the other. But back then, a forty what was it, forty seven yarder, forty seven yarder, on, yeah. forty seven yarder on grass back then. The ball was a little different for kicking, I think, and the kickers didn't have the science that they have now. I guess people would do crazy things like pack their foot into a shoe that was two sizes too small for for the for their kicking foot or go, or go barefoot. Bare yeah. <laughs> Go barefoot, which was always funny. Um, but um, yeah, that was never 47 yards back then was was maybe a 40% chance of making it. You know, most kickers between 40 and 50 yards were about 40% back then. Yeah, but that was my favorite moment was the the super super bowl 25. And and then the second favorite would be the national uh NFC championship game. You say you watch the NFC title game every now and then. My favorite, my favorite, one of my favorite calls of all time. There will be no three feet. Yeah. <laughs> that might be the best. That might be the as far as games go, that that one that game was incredible. It was just I mean, it was it was so dramatic. Of course, you know, um um Roger Craig fumbling the ball. And uh I just love stuff like I just love stuff like nowadays things you could never get away with just because there's so much attention paid to body language and you've got people in the coaches boxes with binoculars looking at coaches. So like when the Giants ran the fake punt in the fourth quarter, Uh, you you watch Bill Parcells and he he gives it away essentially. Like he he looks at the Giants getting stopped on third down and then he goes like straight to his headset and like starts talking to his headset. And if you if you pay attention. Like now it looks obvious, but nowadays it was in the moment, like you would never ever see that happen nowadays. They would never give it away that obviously. And it's clear that like nobody was paying attention that like spying Bill Parcells on the sideline to see his body language to to give that away that they were going to run the fake punt. Yeah. And Bill Parcells himself was like kind of the bad guy on the team, you know, because nobody liked playing for him. He was, he was a taskmaster master you know i mean he was a tough tough cookie like nobody really liked to play for for that guy and he had his little weird weird wearing the same pants all the time but don't have a button and all that but uh but yeah that's that that game was probably the best game the best game like we're running just, up you know, quite a, a list of things nate that 99 of the people watching listening to this podcast will go straight over their heads so we, we're referencing there will be no three pete <laughs> the fake punt, the forty-seven fake yard punt. field goal, Scott Norwood. We've we've thrown in uh, Henry Rowan Gartner and Steve Nebraska. Uh, uh, Henry Rowan Gartner, that was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> or or Ruta Baker, as, as yeah. the Cubs manager called him in the movie. I, oh, yeah, I he got how locked we... in the cage. That, that guy, yeah. <laughs> I wonder how many of these things people are going to be actually bothering to go look up on Google. Or what the hell are these guys talking about, Henry Rowan Gartner? Right. Maybe yeah, yeah. There you go. Hopefully people watched that movie. It was all, it was, it was one of the greatest child movies ever. <laughs> Your favorite cricket ground experience that you've had as a player or as a fan, whether that's at church street park or somewhere else. So uh, as a fan church street park, when Steven Taylor uh, chased and Steven Taylor, and let me say Ali Khan was in the middle with him running with him. Uh, when they when he chased 22 and when they needed 22 to win in that last over and he did it in five balls against Canada that was amazing that that whole week was incredible it was one of like the I think about that when you when uh, my favorite probably my favorite episode you've done so far was with Mark was was with Mark Stolman and it was because of how 
fun it was to reminisce when he's talking about that week you know how great it was and, and like thinking back about it it was so much fun it was amazing but yeah that was my favorite cricket moment as a fan as a player i i uh took four wickets one time and got mad at the match uh when uh and it was like you know i'm not like i said i'm not a good cricketer so i don't have too many of these moments so it stands out like we were getting the, there was a team that was chasing us down and we were like our backs were to the it, we were it wasn't looking good for us and then i took four wickets and i could have taken a hat trick if i had just listened to my captain who was like do you want me to he was like do you want me to bring the deep point in to the inner circle and i was like no we may as well just play it safe still because at the time the game was still kind of in question and then the guy like just flubbed the ball directly to 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 point uh, you know just plopped it right over the, and i was like he would have been there to catch that ball i would have had a hat trick but yeah that that was that was fun it was just fun to help my my team out all the guys that i really like and have a great time and care about and it's always fun to like be the guy that gets getting man in the match so that's as far as a player that was one of the few good moments <laughs> your favorite cricketer of all time that's a tricky one the first cricketer i really liked was was moan ali was the first guy I like kind of like really like that, that I was like, I love that guy. So he might be my favorite pl- cricketer of all time. That's not North American. I don't want to say who my favorite North American. I don't, I don't want to say that because I write about these guys so much and things like that. I don't want to say that, but probably Moen, my favorite cricketer who doesn't. Yeah. My favorite cricketer who doesn't play for USA currently or Canada currently, I should say. Moen and Hayden Walsh Jr. are my favorite. And Hayden used to play for USA. So, but yeah, favorite two guys who, who who aren't currently playing for USA or in the USA system or Canada would be Moen and Hayden Walsh Jr. Uh, t- you know, both of those guys. Your favorite non-cricket athlete of all time? Jeff Hostetler, probably. Yeah, Cal Ripken Jr., Rod Langway, Joe Montana. I loved Joe Montana. Eddie Murray. Oh, hold yeah, on I, a second. How are you a Joe Montana fan and a Giants fan? This is this is not kosher. So bef- hey, before before I before I started liking <laughs> the Giants, I just liked Joe Montana because he was the best player in the eighties. You know, but yeah, probably Jeff Hosser is probably my favorite non because of the great memories I have as a kid cheering for him. You know, him and him and Cal Ripken probably are my two favorite. So what was going through your mind then as a, a Joe Montana fan turned Giants fan when Leonard Marshall comes off the end and uh, nearly decapitated I didn't like that him. he got hurt. He, he got killed. That was one of the most brutal hits, literally. I mean, you, you can't name 10 hits in NFL history that were that visually brutal. Like he, uh, you know, I mean, it looked terrible. I didn't like that he got hurt, obviously, but I liked that that helped their chances of winning. I mean, it really did. Even though Steve Young is on the bench, I mean, <laughs> you know. As a Giants fan, and again, family season ticket holder for 48 years going to games growing up, when it, in Giants Stadium, and even the few games I've been to in MetLife Stadium, where they run the sizzle reel five minutes before the teams walk out of the tunnel or whatever. and got to be there. Yeah. Get the fans fired up. The two staples that have been in every single sizzle reel video for the Giants every year – Every time I've ever gone to a game, the ones that never, ever got taken out of the, the, the tape, Glenn Marshall taking out Joe Montana and Mark Bavaro carrying Ronnie Lott 20 yards downfield. <laughs> and and watching, oh. that, watching the Mark Bavaro clip every single time without fail gives me goosebumps. I get so fired up watching that clip. 
And then I'm like, let's go, let you know, they can, they can replace in the video. They, you know, they can reduce the number of LT clips in favor of Strahan or Tuck or some of the other <laughs> defenders that have risen up over the years. They can reduce some of the Phil Sims montage in favor of Eli Manning or, you know, Kerry Collins before Eli Manning when Collins took the Giants to the Super Bowl. Some of that stuff varies over the years. The two things that never, ever, ever change, Leonard Marshall taking out Joe Montana and Mark Favaro carrying Ronnie Lott. If they don't have the the O.J. Anderson wind-up forearm, no, they got to have that. That that's the one. That's probably the the scene from from that whole season that I think about them that that like runs in my mind. That and Hostetler not not having the ball stripped by uh, Bruce what's Smith. his name Bruce Smith. Who? How do you stop him from taking? You know, how do you pull your hand away from this dude's got his full hand around you? But, but Nate, how is that going to fire somebody up if they're five? It's minutes not going to fire someone up. Like he he saved the team five <laughs> points. You know, like like that. I know you, know, you love Hostetler, but that's pushing it a little bit to expect that. That was tough. Real. That was a tough play to watch in real time. You realize later how important that was that he didn't lose the ball, you know. But he tripped on OJ Otis Anderson. He tripped on OJ. He, he as he's back going back into his drop, OJ Anderson steps back into his drop back, and that's how he fell. But yeah, the OJ wind up is like to me the perfect the perfect moment. All right, your favorite place to eat out on tour or away from home? So outside <laughs> outside of Marshall, outside of Maryland, where is your go to stop? Right now, it's anything that's gluten free, and I love Mexican food. So if I find like an old Mexican joint somewhere, I'm happy. I love Mexican food. That's my fit. Mexican food. I love Indian food too. So yeah, Mexican food. If I can find an old Mexican joint, some so like not old, but like family run Mexican joint, then I'm I'm happy. And what's your go to menu item that you can find that's gluten free on a Mexican menu? Corn shell tacos. Like uh, I like um chicken tinga tacos are my favorite so like the soft corn tacos now i used to make this question that the coke or pepsi question but i think i've had to decide to retire that because it was getting quite one-sided as much as that pleased me so okay. your favorite beverage of any kind cherry coke cherry uh, well coke. of any kind of any kind so they can also have alcohol in it no, i don't want to sound like or alcohol or juices you know not everybody's a, a drinker my favorite soda is cherry coke and um to answer the other question coke over pepsi um but uh yeah probably my favorite drinks are lemonade or cherry coke those two i love i love both of them i don't drink it as much as but if i go to five guys i always have to have cherry coke because it has the special magic machine that makes it whatever mixture you want you know I those things are amazing that you know they've got like hundred different flavors of, of and all i want is cherry coke <laughs> because it used to be you know before those magic fountain machines came into existence you just we yeah. had the six options you know coke sprite right. diet coke barks maybe right. one or two yeah. other things dr pepper now you right. know and cherry coke you're never going to find cherry coke in your, your standard uh, soda fountain most it, places don't have cherry coke so the fact that it has cherry coke is great but this is one of those things we're going to tell our kids when we grow up it'll be like you know, we used to have to watch TV. If we had a show that we wanted to watch, we had to be sitting there at 10 a.m. to watch the cartoon we wanted on Saturday. And if we went to Fuddruckers, we, we had to mix up our flavors. We didn't have this magic red machine that pumped out whatever soda you wanted. You know, like... <laughs> I'd like to meet the guy who has the patent on that. The thing is extraordinary. It's amazing. It's incredible. I would hate to have to change all the bags all the time. <laughs> You know, but 
it's an, it is pretty cool. I bet the, I bet the back of the house where all those lines go and, and everything connects to a different box full of syrup. I bet that there's just a massive heap of syrup right there. I mean, just boxes. Your favorite pizza topping. Pepperoni. Your favorite movie of all time. Well, I loved Star Wars growing up. But probably my favorite, there's two movies that I can't change if I've come across them when I'm flipping, I can't change. And that's Ghostbusters and Back to the Future. But I also, I really liked Edward Scissorhands a lot because that was just a really cool movie. Um, so those are probably my favorites. And then Empire Strikes Back, yeah. Empire Strikes Back and Back to the Future Part 2 and Karate Kid Part 3. When I was growing up, we had HBO in our house, and you could like count on those three movies being <laughs> on a loop on HBO every single day, pretty much. Yeah. Not the first Star Wars, not Return of the Jedi, not Back to the Future one or three, uh, but Part Two, <laughs> The Empire Strikes Back, and Karate Kid Part Three. Not one or two, Part Three, all three of those <laughs> on a loop nonstop. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love Ghostbusters. Probably, probably if I had to choose one, it would be Ghostbusters. Probably, I loved that movie. I still do. What's your take on the the relaunch Afterlife? Did you take that in? Haven't haven't seen it. I don't know. So I'm 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 like I like the movies that I liked when I was a kid. Whenever something relaunches or something like that, I really just don't care because <laughs> it's not going to be anywhere near the same. Well, to you me, know, it just shows like, again, like now you know the Matrix, the newest edition of the Matrix, and some of these other things. It just shows the to me like the lack of creativity and the lack of ingenuity in hollywood nowadays like, I, I don't i haven't been yeah. to a cinema in like ages because nothing interests yeah. me all the same with me dumb like scorsese was talking about that and he's dead right it's like i don't care about comic book films i'm 41 years old you know it's like that stuff mattered to me a lot if i wish they had made that stuff in 1994 you know I would have gone to it all the time. I would have loved it. But like now it's kind of, I'm kind of just like, I don't care about comic book movies. I just want to watch a good movie. I, you know, that's what I want to see is a good movie. Yeah. So, I mean, I agree with him. Like, I, I don't want someone to pander to, to, to like my nostalgia. I don't want that. Like I've got my nostalgia and uh, you know, I'll watch, if I want to be nostalgic, I'll watch the thing that I'm nostalgic about. I won't watch something else that's trying to exploit that. If you're if you, you know? want nostalgia, you're going to YouTube to find the NFC Championship game 1990. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, right. All right. Last but not least, your favorite show to binge watch: Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, Paramount Plus streaming service to your DVD box set. What's the show you use to fill the time when you've got plenty of it? I love watching TV with my wife. Um, so it's pretty much whatever we get into. I'm happy to watch it. Um, my, I think I loved Breaking Bad a lot, Game of Thrones. I loved those shows quite a bit. There hasn't been anything. I think the first one that my wife and I watched together was probably my favorite show. That And that was Carnival that was on HBO. It was like when we first got together, we would watch that. And I thought that show was great up until the last episode. And then it was like, oh, my God, you they killed it. They killed it. But um, that show was fun. I loved looking forward to watching that with her. So probably that or, well, really, my favorite thing to binge is going on YouTube and watching old football games <laughs> or old cricket games or something. Something I liked, like the other night, I, the other day, I watched San Francisco versus Cincinnati, that second Super Bowl. I watched the whole thing on YouTube the other day just because yeah, I'm in, I just want to watch it again. You know, So that's probably what I like to binge is old sports games. <laughs> 
Nate Hayes, thank you so much for coming on the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast. I'll give you the final word. Anything else that we haven't already discussed? I know there's still plenty of things. This is just the tip of the iceberg for us. But anything else you want people to know about you, your journey in cricket, or anything else you want to share? Just support your national governing body wherever you are and uh, try your local cricket and read Peter and read me and go to emergingcricket.com and all that stuff. Yeah, I'm just kidding. I don't have anything else to say other than, you know, watch this and read our things. And thank you. If you do that already, it's awesome. Thank you so much. We were, we were talking before recording about people who we leave out. We were never inevitably going to piss off somebody. You don't need to read Smith. Smith, not necessary. Smith <laughs> <Patel. laughs> uh, There are some people who I could have missed, who I could have mentioned before that I didn't, that I didn't mention. We, we didn't talk about Supriya and, and how, um, you know, people like her who are just really interested in what's going on, you know, like they get her in just we, before the finish line at the four and a half hour mark. Nate, well done. <laughs> well, I mean, like you've said before, we could use a thousand of her or, you know, you could, we could use a ton of people like her. Um, we need people like her, but, Phil, Phil Melky, Phil Smith, PJ, I, PJ Hodels. PJ, yes, yes. You, you, you can have a stab at that. I've humiliated myself <laughs> uh, before. PJ, but, yeah, there's so many people that the, the, um, Amon, Amon Patel, you know, Patel, Smith. Yeah. I try and be supportive. Emily, Emily Reynolds, yeah. you know, um, but you know, the cricket media contingent in America is, is so tiny. And growing. we've had yeah. this conversation before, I think, where people are like, oh, you must be thrilled. And like, no, it sucks. Like, oh, you must like having, you know, not not too much competition. No, I, I, it would be wonderful to have a cricket championship, whether it's the yeah. World Cup or MILC or Major League Cricket, where, where there's a media box, plain and right. simple, not, not just yeah. like a folding table set up because we're expecting like, Nate, Peter, and Smith to show up at the last minute. Right. That there's actually a dedicated media box for media because they're expecting not just three people to show up at the last minute, but 15, 20, 30, 40 people who demonstrate their support for cricket by wanting to cover it and bring exposure to all these yeah. players in the whole yeah. cricket ecosystem. And Steve, who writes about it on his blog and uh, writes some articles for from Major League Cricket, obviously Tom and, and, uh, and of course, uh, you know, Tom Dunmore and of course, um, Lenny, Andrew Leonard, who's all over the place now. It's like every time I watch something, he's, he's doing the commentary. It's really cool. <laughs> like, they did the, air, the earthquake that happened last week, you know, like, uh, <laughs> and Nikhil. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to see things growing, you know, and, and, and I don't think people realize, it. I think, like you said, people think that we're going to be competitive with each other and things like that but we've no, had we, for people who don't know we've had five guys together that's the bond that i have with nate uh, we've, we've we've had got, our five guys i've had five guys with smith we, mm-hmm. we 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 have that connection we had five guys and it worked out in my favor because we did the the you buy for me and then i buy for you and the you buy for me was in california where everything's like way more expensive so um yeah I, I don't i don't just have five guys with just anybody they you know. no, and you don't buy five guys in california for just anybody either <laughs> i've had i, I so, forgot lenny i've had five guys with andrew leonard he's, good he's good yeah. i've had five guys with phil melke in dubai me me smith and phil melke went to a five guys in dubai marina back in december nice. 2019 together 
when uh, yeah. Phil, Phil America's super fan got his Smith. Smith was the one who really stepped up to get Phil and Elmore Hutchinson jersey after coming all the way from Ohio uh, to Dubai. That was that was yeah. Smith. And Smith has to take credit for that one. You can't beat uh, that jersey. You can't beat that one. And we said, "Hey, Phil, uh, you came all this way." We got to take you out to Five Guys. You're coming to dinner with us, <laughs> and so perfect. And I think it was, I think anyhow, we had our cricket writing to do after the match that day. That I think USA played Scotland. I want to say, yeah. So we went to Five Guys at like eleven o'clock, midnight, one a.m., whatever it was, because the Five Guys in Dubai it stays open until like two or three a.m. So it's not like the ones in America where they close at ten or they close at eleven. You can go late night in, in Dubai to Five Guys and we yeah, still, we that's had awesome. That. So. You know, you wouldn't know it because it's known for its burgers, but um, I can't eat gluten because of the celiac. But Five Guys is one of the places I can absolutely go to confidently because they have those hot dogs and the hot dogs are totally gluten free. And the hot dogs are amazing. And their hot dogs are great because they do the thing where they cut it in half and they put it on uh you know flat side down i don't know any other way to have a hot dog now anymore that's exactly how i that's how i do it too this is like um you know before the world was flat and now the world is round with the five guys hot dog cut in half now the hot dogs have to be flat yeah and and it's uh, yeah the the best way to do it you got to put them down uh, flat side down first because if you do the back side it's going to get all curly and weird Mm. you know what i mean you have to put the flat side down first so um yeah i make them that way now they they even curly and weird it's still good yeah so uh five guys is one of the places i can absolutely count on you know because they their their dogs are gluten-free they give them to you in a special container to make sure no gluten touched it uh so yeah but yeah i mean going back to the people around the country there's so many people that i didn't name enough of them but there's more people now involved in spreading the word and getting and that's one thing i love about major league cricket minor league cricket is that they're willingness to get people involved who want to get involved you know like emily you had her on on your show that's one of the most optimistic things about it to me i mean imagine a time i mean imagine five years ago that happening emily saying i just got into cricket i'd like to help and somebody saying sure that doesn't that didn't used to happen and not only um do we want your help as a volunteer we're actually going to give you a job a full-time paying job to help out (laughs) yeah Right. Like that never used to happen. That, that was that was never even a possibility. And there have always been people who would just get involved, who put their hand up and say, I want to help. I want to volunteer. Tim Lowell is a uh, what is it called? Volunteer, volunteer coordinator. coordinator. Yeah. In Texas. Yeah. Down in down in Texas. That's great. They're getting people involved now who weren't always, you know, weren't the good old boys. You know what I mean? It's 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 nice to see that, and that's that's a that gives me a lot of hope. Uh, so that you know, and USA did that with Tim, with Tim. That wasn't a major league thing, but yeah, just get involved with the USA stuff. Follow USA Cricket. Everybody who's watching, everybody who's watching this already follows USA Cricket. <laughs> so so, but yeah, keep doing it and spread the word, and um, we'll have a good product here soon. You know, we have one already, so it's it's fun. And you keep doing what you're doing. And like I said, people think that you and I compete with each other or something. And that's not, I don't think it'd be further from the truth. You know, like the amount of times you've helped me out, it's been incalculable. So a two way street, Nate. I can say the same about you. <laughs> you called me. We're, we're giving away the trade secrets here, Nate. I don't know. So we should be saying this stuff. Right. And, and, and that's the cool thing is like, I don't always agree with everything. We, that we talk about i don't always agree with you i don't always agree with smith but that's okay you know what i mean it's like 
you know, most of all, we agree on the important things. But that's kind of cool to see. Yeah, Smith's got his point of view. You got yours. I got mine. That's that's neat. You know, I, I think that's that's healthy to have that. So yeah, more of this, please. <laughs> Nate Hayes, emerging cricket contributor and expert cover art book designer and cricket player, cricket everything, do everything, hat wear in the Morrisville cricket community. Thank you so much again for coming on the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having two nights in a row. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. (laughs) Well, hopefully we squeezed enough cricket in there in between all the non-cricket discussion with Nate, but it was an entertaining experience for me and I hope it was for you as well whoever is watching and listening out there I want to remind everybody that you can get the latest episodes of the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast on YouTube by subscribing on there if you want to watch or if you want to listen you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts Spotify I also want to encourage everybody to subscribe and become a supporter of the podcast on Patreon everybody who has done so thus far contributes to help make the podcast happen on an episode by episode basis That's it for now. I'm Peter Del Pena reminding everybody, God bless America and God bless American cricket.